This podcast was sponsored by Notion Refinery, graphic design for hire. Go to notionrefinery.com or email at contact at notionrefinery.com. This information can be found in the description below. This podcast is sponsored by my patron sponsors. I'd like to give a quick shout out to Crush Gaming, Chad, Stuart, and McJiggles. Thank you guys for becoming podcast sponsors. And then not only becoming podcast sponsors, continuing to do that month after month. I do appreciate it. Just like I appreciate all of you guys on Patreon for supporting this that I call my job. What I can call my job. Thank you so much for supporting my endeavors so much. And if you would like to support or become a podcast sponsor, consider becoming a patron today. Thank you. First off, uh, welcome, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and do introductions for those that don't know. Um, let's start with Nene. Um, who are you? Hello, I'm Nathan, uh, or Nene. I'm the team lead and the lead artist for the Living Legends team. Okay, and uh, Nico, what about yourself? You might know me as Liko. I used to be a Nico. community manager for MechWarrior Living Legends. Okay. And for Living Legends 2, I am in charge of the project, the lead producer, if you will, and I also serve a sort of role as a game director. Okay. Cool. And I just called you Nico instead of Lico. Yeah, that, that's a good start. Um, all right. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited. To put it in context, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I know some people out there may know this. I was actually part of the Living Legends team way back. I actually did the Stormcrow. And how I got into that was um, through Living Legends. I was playing the hell out of the game. That's actually how I met Darren. Uh, he tells the story a little bit differently, but uh, he was lost out there in the wilderness and I found him on a battlefield and I recruited him and then, uh, you know, long story short, but that's actually how I got to know Darren. And <clears throat> this came in a weird time where we hadn't had a game for, I mean, this was 2000, I mean, 2009, I mean, I don't know, 2009, 2010 timeframe. I mean, even something like that. And so we hadn't had a game in eight, almost 10 years. And, um, and then I started getting into, asking questions on Discord. Uh, actually, it wasn't even Discord. It was TeamSpeak back in the day. And um, then I started doing the modeling and then I got involved. And when you guys dropped um, on this past holiday uh, that you guys were doing Living Legends 2, I wanted to sit down immediately and have a chat because I, Nene, me and you had touched base a few times before, but we really couldn't just schedules. Um, but you guys have officially announced and you made an announcement that sort of caught me by surprise. So we're gonna go ahead and dive into that. And so for those that don't know, Living Legends 2, you guys had talked about doing Living Legends 2 for a while. You were working, actually, how about you just tell me uh, 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 about the little bit of history. That way they can hear from your perspective. You guys were using MechWarrior 5. Um, and uh, when did development of Living Legends 2 start as far as MechWarrior 5 was concerned? So Liko, do you wanna start or do you want me to start? Sure, uh, I can go ahead on this one. So, okay. MechWarrior Living Legends uh, restarted development in, I believe, 2015 with uh, the Community Edition, which uh, took over where Wandering Samurai left off uh, because the community had been keeping the game alive even after development had died down, and eventually they got a, hand, a hold of the source code. And when MechWarrior 5 came around, there were quite a number of developers uh, who expressed some interest in maybe working on some kind of mod to bring combined arms gameplay to MechWarrior 5. Um, 
we had heard that PGI was going to be making updates to um, make the game more moddable and things like that. So we started to investigate that. And that's basically what the project grew out of. Uh, for almost two years, we basically had one guy, this wonderful Finnish guy who goes by Bolter, uh, slaving away more or less in secret um, on a mod project for MechWarrior 5. And uh, we broke the news to the public properly when we reached a point in development where we were like, this is kind of becoming like a real game all of a sudden, and we need to see whether or not we can actually have enough clients connect to a game server to have the kind of gameplay we want. The only way to do that is to put out a call for playtesters. So we decided to show our project to the world. And um, so that's probably where you picked up our story sure. to begin with yep. there. And uh, so how we got to where we are currently? Well, uh, at first there was a massive rush of uh, you know, interest and volunteers, people wanting to get involved. And as we put that new team together, we quickly realized that in order to realize the ambitions for our project that we had in mind, we would basically need to rewrite everything that was already built for us in MechWarrior 5, because we don't have access to the source code from yeah. MechWarrior 5. Basically, we're only able to slap things on top of it crudely using something called Unreal Blueprints, which is sort of like a, a pseudocode language that you can use to quickly iterate gameplay if you're trying to prototype things, but it's not good for building an entire game off of. Sure. So we basically reached a point where we had to start over using our own standalone code. And at that point, it didn't really make much sense to continue supporting our MechWarrior 5 mod, especially uh, with the way it had recently been broken by an update. And we assessed the amount of work it would require for us to continue maintaining that. And it would basically be preventing us from moving on with the standalone code. So that's where we are today, is okay. we're totally focused on making our own project uh, that will be an independent release under Microsoft's game content usage rules. Okay. Um, okay, a lot to package there. Uh, have, yeah. had, did <laughs> you guys, yeah, did you, uh, what kind of... What kind of relationship or have you had a relationship? Have you reached out and talked to prior to making this decision? Did you talk to Piranha Games uh, about these these issues, these concerns as far as the, the modding? Because just like everybody else, uh, the our Mech Manor mod, we were waiting for the DLC as well because we were we'd already talked about developing on top of stuff and we figured why reinvent the wheel. Obviously, we had to wait a lot longer, 18 months, but it finally came out. When it came out, the editor was completely broke. Uh, no one could use it, and it wasn't until recently fixed. Um, but what is your relationship with Piranha Games as far as in this? Can you go back in the history? Did you did you have any with that them? That would be a nene question. Okay. Yeah, so um, uh, since the beginning, actually, uh, before we even started uh, the Living Legends project, uh, I hadn't even known Liko was putting together a team at the time. Uh, essentially, um, I was sort of feeling the growing pains of Living Legends myself because, sure. you know, with uh, as you know, since you've uh, created assets for Living Legends, you're really restricted by the CryEngine in terms of what you can do with it. Um, so 
out of frustration, uh, I basically reached out to uh, a few of the team leads for the original Living Legends project saying, hey, you know, Unreal is pretty popular, and uh, I hear MechWarrior 5 is doing mods, so why don't we move our new game over to that? And uh, they were like, no, I don't know if that'll be good. You know, I don't feel like we should stir the pot a little. And I'm always the kind of person who likes to take initiative. And like, sure. if I want something done, I'm going to get it done. So I reached out to Piranha Games directly. And, you know, I got uh, originally an e email response from a representative. And they moved it directly up to Russ Bullock himself, who um, essentially I was asking sort of, the requirements for this project, the legality of it, and like what we would have to do to make sure we didn't have another, you know, uh, issue with Piranha Games. Um, essentially, after that is when we released the alpha and it got the game going. However, when uh, they released the update that broke the mod and we decided that it wouldn't be worth the amount of time and effort to try and repair everything, uh, I reached out to Microsoft directly and I got um, a, I think he was the vice president of the games division for like the Xbox games division. He reached out to me and uh, with his legal team told me that as long as we follow their game usage content rules, uh, we're allowed to go standalone and uh, do what we see fit with the game. Okay, and do you, do you have a, a name uh, with that? No, I mean, just for uh, transparency. I can I can pull it up. Okay. Uh, a lot. Of, there's been a lot of questions, and and obviously we'll we'll dive into some of those. So it's just one of those things where I think if it's all out there for everyone, because uh, the first thing that popped up into mind was is like uh, obviously the legal. You you brought that up. You guys want to be in the clear. Uh, you don't want to yeah. stir the pot. Obviously, you got Mech Five out there. I know they were super excited for you guys doing the the mod. That's why I was wondering is like, was there no further communication of saying like, hey. You know, hey, th th this sort of patch and these breaking, we're like, we're we're doing some serious stuff here, and we, you know, it's gonna, you know, super hamper us. I didn't know if there was any uh, talks after that of, of of you know, like, hey, can we make this work? We, you know, we want it, we want it to stick together. Yeah, um, it was uh, Fabian Lane who uh, I reached out to uh, from okay. Microsoft, but with regards to after after the mod broke, we didn't really. Um, uh, message uh, Piranha Games with regards to moving standalone. Uh, I tried reaching out to um, a couple of people from Piranha Games, but I never really got any responses, and I didn't want to be annoying or, you know, bother them. I imagine they're really busy. Um, so I just didn't want to inconvenience them in any way. So it was, other than, uh, just to be clear, you're basically saying is, reach out a little bit, but was your guys' minds already made up? Is that why you're saying you didn't really pursue it? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say made up. We had a lot of discussion regarding this. It was, it was more or less 50, 50. I'll let Liko sort of explain the rest. Cause he, he's... yeah, I can, I can weigh in here. So the thing is we had uh sort of a number of contingency plans for different scenarios because we didn't want to, you know, like Nene said, we didn't want to step on any toes. There had been some, uh, conflict, uh, in the past between, you know, the Wandering Samurai developers and MechWarrior Online, and we don't want anything to do with that. That's, you know, over a decade in the past at this point. Um, so, you know, we were trying to tread very carefully when it comes to all that stuff. Um, and it became clear to us well before that point 
that in order to accomplish our design goals, we would basically be throwing out all of MechWarrior 5 in its base gameplay systems uh, for, you know, the behavior of mechs and, you know, heat, ammo, movement, like all that stuff would have to be remade from the ground up anyway. So it was a very easy decision for us to make. And, you know, basically, like, we can either try to make this work, try to slap blueprints on top of it to do what we want, or we can just build something that works the way we want it to and not worry about someone else breaking it with updates. Sure. Yeah, and that's super frustrating, like super frustrating, especially if you have an entire team doing it. And I mean, yeah, and, and there's nothing you can do. And of course, it's all like, uh, I, I look at it more of being, you have to be retroactive and no one likes to be retroactive. You like to be proactive, like, and, and so like, I get that. Um, <clears throat> so obviously we, you gave us that name, um, Nene, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look into that myself. And um, I just know that I've had some questions and, uh, you know, it's always good to just be clear as far as out there. So Microsoft basically said, hey, uh, we have, it's funny, they used to actually have this a little bit more accessible because of Mech Commander 2 source code back in the day, this, uh, the open games thing, but then also um, the Mech Assault project is also using, I think, something similar to this, right? So yeah, uh, um, it's actually the same uh, legal framework that Wolves uses, like you mentioned, uh, the Mech Assault Spiritual Successor Project, um, mm -hmm. which we're, we're good friends with the Wolves people, Pajama yeah. Boys. Someone, I love it. You know, yeah. He's worked on Mech Warrior Living Legends Community Edition. He's, um, you know, part of the community, and I love that guy. Uh, he uh, was someone that we, we sought advice for, and uh, you know, Microsoft actually has a very permissive fan game policy when it comes to this stuff. Uh, there are plenty of other examples of independent games that are published under the same framework, like uh, the one that Nene brought to my attention originally was uh, a Halo fan game called Installation Zero One. Okay. So what what are you, uh, <laughs> from your understanding, sorry for the cough too for everybody listening. Again, I'm getting over it. Um, what are you able to do with that, uh, I guess, uh, uh, a fan modding license? What are, what, are you, um, what are you able to do and what are you not able to do? So if it helps out at all, I can send you the email thread as well. Um, but just to reiterate, what they're doing is um, we can't use the MechWarrior name. Uh, so that's we dropped MechWarrior from it entirely, if you saw from like all the social mm -hmm. media and the uh, Discord page. Uh, so it's just Living Legends 2 now. Um, we also cannot make a product that competes with other game, uh, any of the other uh, Microsoft products. So we cannot directly ask for money to play the game. And we also cannot uh, paywall or gatekeep or content lock any of our uh, content. So uh, one of the things uh, that we did ask about was, say, things like Patreon. Uh, we are allowed to use Patreon. However, in no way can Patreon be a requirement for any of the content that goes in the game. Okay. Basically, what Microsoft cares about is that we're not even giving the appearance of selling a commercial and officially licensed product, which is why we can't use the MechWarrior name, because that may give that impression that it's an official Microsoft product when it's not. And two, that we're not actually directly making any money off of Microsoft-owned content. So basically, from their perspective, we are using their content by using MechWarrior things, as long as we're not representing ourselves like we're an official commercial product. You know, that's totally fine with them. 
We're not selling any content. We're not selling a game. All we're doing is trying to make the best game that we possibly can. Give it to people who will enjoy it. Okay. And where did you have any restrictions per the platform you could release that on or you know, uh, engine? No, or there's anything? there's no restrictions or anything like that. If uh, in fact, um, Fabian actually gave me a link and a contact info for us to get a hold of uh, dev kits for the new Xbox. So we're uh, we're a long ways away from thinking about anything like that. But it is an option we do have available if we so choose. Okay. Um, obviously, my concerns, uh, I'll, I'll just broadcast them as my concerns is uh, not Piranha Games. It's actually my concerns would be EG7 because that's actually who you're dealing with now, you know, as far as the licensee holder, not the owner, but the licensee holder. So that's like my concerns. That's why I wanted to bring up from the legal standpoint. And of course, Microsoft. Uh, but, you know, if you've got a basically thumbs up from Microsoft um, and also too is like, <clears throat> I think it's, like I said, I think it sort of sucks if I'm honest, because I think it would have been really good for it to be on Mac five because you could have also now tapped into uh, the Xbox, right? You could tap into that crowd and, but they don't even get mods. So it doesn't matter, matter anyways. Right. So it's not like that, that would have really accounted for anything. Yeah, um, it was um, the, the only issue with uh, keeping it as a mod is uh, like the dedicated servers, especially we we would have to build something like that from the ground up. And unfortunately, with the framework that the MechWarrior 5 editor works with, it would be impossible for us to do it using their editor. We we had to go standalone if we wanted to keep dedicated servers. Let's go to pause here for a second. Uh, Liko, I'm getting feedback from you. Do you, do you hear that, uh, Nene? Yeah, I it's hear like it. Um, I don't know if that's your TV or... I tried unplugging and replugging my headphones. Did that fix it? Uh, try enabling noise suppression. Do you have that enabled? It's uh, at the bottom left of your Discord. It looks like uh, these little line things right above uh, where it says screen. Yes, I do have it enabled. Oh, okay. Okay, Let, let's, uh, try, let's see if that works. What type of feedback? No, it, ju it just happened. It almost looks like it sounded like it was... Okay hearing us it, almost that's what it sounded like just all right so um dedicated server uh, we'll get into that um so i just wanted to cover that, that those were my concerns that popped off was because yeah uh piranha games had an issue uh, back in the day with living legends and i specifically remember talking about that back then which was uh it was actually cool up until living legends i remember specifically started introducing stuff like the dual reticle system and it was basically something that MWO had. And then there was a few other features and obviously the, 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 the dealings behind the scenes, we don't know every single detail and I don't think we ever will, but uh, obviously the development stalled with that until the second team took over and you said 2015. Right. So um, cool. I mean, uh, you, you know, obviously this, I feel like it sucks because uh, on one hand, uh, you know, the lack of communication, I guess, from like, it sucks that like Piranha Games didn't even reach out to you. Like, hey guys, we really want to keep you. Like, what what can we do? You know, like, I understand like, they're not going to give out the source code, but like, whoever's in charge, I don't know who's in charge at, for Mech 5 necessarily, as far as modding and stuff like that. And especially if like keeping something like this in-house would have been really freaking cool. And uh, giving you guys more freedom. And I'm, I'm obviously I get what you're saying is you're having to develop new systems because like, you want different animations, you want a different heat system, you want different hard points or weapon, whatever. I mean, the whole works. 
But if you'd have had the freedom to be able to do that in a better relationship with, uh, you know, PGI, I feel like that there could there had to have been something. But if they didn't even reach out to you or if they there wasn't really an open dialogue back and forth then well, you had to go this route. Yeah, we uh, unfortunately, I mean, like I, I would have liked to um, had the ability of keeping the mod at least a little bit longer just because um, right now uh, for uh, while we're gearing up for the next alpha build, uh, we're having to use some placeholder assets. Uh, for example, um, we're using some of the mechs from uh, Wolves at the moment until uh, the art team can go through and finish up uh, getting our assets out the door. Yeah. Okay, so um, for someone who's sitting out there, they may not even actually know what Living Legends is. And so uh, I've never actually streamed it. So can you guys go ahead and give it a breakdown? You sort of did a little bit, uh, Liko, at the very beginning, but like what is Living Legends and what sh what what would make and why would it make someone who's a Battletech MechWarrior fan excited? We're going to have to cut this. <laughs> I forgot all about the combined arms. No, it's all right. <laughs> no, it's all right. Yeah, it's combined this arms. what editing is for. Okay, let me start this over. Totally leaving this in. <laughs> this is good. This is good. It's good content right here. Okay. MechWarrior Living Legends is a multiplayer mech game about combined arms tactical action in the 31st century. Uh, MechWarrior Living Legends provides a tactical sandbox where you can express your playstyle any way you want with mechs, tanks, battle armor, infantry, and even aerospace fighters. It provides all those options for you. And we strive to make almost all of them balanced and competitively viable, and we are focused on providing varied and exciting multiplayer experiences. Okay. And uh, what does this look like in an everyday joke? Like, uh, like I said, if someone is never, like, do you just load up? Are you in a, a, in a mech? Are you in a mech lab? Like, what is it? Do you have... So, you know, when what, you play what's that about? Living Legends, uh, it's a little bit old school. There's a dedicated server browser. There's no matchmaking. You just pop right in. You spawn in. You have a buy menu where you can see a large catalog of units. And over the course of an hour-long match, you advance into bigger and better pieces of technology. You'll start the game in light mechs that have more primitive weapons, and you'll end the game in assault mechs and assault tanks, all sorts of other things. And uh, you will fight with up to 13 comrades in a 14 versus 14 battlefield fighting over terrain and various types of objectives like factories that help you build units, and, uh, bases that help you repair, and things like that. Okay. I've talked a lot about <clears throat> Living Legends actually recently um, in regards to the game mode and how I've always felt that um, a group faction play mode in MWO would have actually been perfect for it. And I hope they actually still do it or if they're, you know, because I've talked about it potentially or, or something along those lines. But I've always felt it's super fun and engaging. Obviously, there's some technical limitations. They don't have repair bays. I think that's really the only thing per se. And then, um, man, I, I loved playing it uh, back in the day. I, I thought it was it was a completely different experience. Obviously, you get in balancing mechanisms like with battle armor or uh, VTOLs, especially funny enough. Um, Alex uh, Iglesias, the artist, uh, known for all the new updates or uh, artwork, 
he used to be in a freaking VTOL, but it was he'd be like right at that one click mark and they would like twitch out. So like you couldn't hit him even though you'd be aiming up. It was super frustrating. Alex, you know who you are. Um, but uh, that sounds awesome. So you mentioned 14 versus 14. Um, uh, I guess another question. Uh, are you guys using Unreal 4 or are you using... What, what are you guys doing? We are using Unreal 5 uh, for mm -hmm. the development. So uh, that entails all the new bells and whistles that come with Unreal 5. Uh, Nanite, for example, is one of their biggest selling points. And uh, I've already gone through and done quite a few extensive tests with Nanite. What is that? Uh, but, so it's a little hard to explain because I'm not an engineer in this sense, but it's, the way it works is, um, you know how the original uh, Doom, uh, where the way they laid out their maps and their level geometry was they took bits and pieces of the levels, laid it out flat and used sort of like a voxel system for it uh, to show you it in the three-dimensional space. It works kind of like that, but per pixel, whereas it takes each and individual uh, geometry for different meshes, different uh, assets, and it adjusts its uh, LOD uh, based off of what you're seeing. And uh, it allows you to get objects, like for instance, the Atlas that we have that we're gonna test with the alpha build has over 5.4 million polygons. Which is like runs, a high, that's a high polygon. It's a lot. Yeah, you that's try dropping polygon. that in Unreal 4 and you'll crash the editor almost immediately. But in Unreal 5, I could take a hundred of those things and I can run a game purely at 60 frames, no stutters, no drops, no nothing. Um, there are, of course, some limitations to it because it's very new sure. tech. Um, it doesn't work with skeletal meshes, uh, so you kind of have to finagle it a bit. And, and it also doesn't play very well with geometry that is sort of at level with the camera view. It, it kind of freaks out a little bit trying to determine what the camera can and can't see. Um, but overall, it's it's a really impressive tech, and it could help shorten our pipeline for the art flow. Because uh, with all the assets that we've worked with so far, it was the standard flow. Uh, I work with high poly model, then retopologize it, bake it down to a normal map, then UV unwrap everything, then texture everything, and it it just it just takes forever to get an asset done. So. We're hoping this will give us better looking assets and also faster assets rather than the whole pipeline. Um, another tech that I'm personally really excited for is Lumen. Um, this is their answer for having a ray tracing style uh, engine in without needing a ray tracing card. I'm running a 1080 Ti still because, you know, who can buy sure. graphics cards these days? Yeah. And it allows you to get um, a lot of different features. Like for instance, emissions now have global illumination and they also emit their own light fields. Uh, whereas previously you had to add your own physical lights in order for it to work and stuff like that. But it it just looks good. It sure. looks really good. So optimization uh, and then obviously just the aesthetic of being able to bring something to life and environments and yeah. lighting effects and all that. And the, the cool thing is, is we get all the tools that Unreal Engine 4 has as well. So, um, then admit, were you guys already previous... familiar with that? Like, of course, uh, because of, no, <laughs> no? <laughs> we're playing, we're playing with this for the first time. No, I'm saying you already had all the, you knew Unreal because of Mech 5, right? As far as that, 
So yeah. if you have the same tools, that probably helps speed up the process. It helps a little. I mean, we're all still really new to Unreal in general. Most okay. of us are really experienced with CryEngine, or in my case, I never even touched the engine even once okay. uh, while making assets for the game. Uh, in this case, it's it's a whole new learning curve, a whole new ball field. So it it's going to take us time to really get to that level. In layman's terms, uh, there's a lot of new technologies for Unreal Engine 5, like Nanite and Lumen that Nene mentioned, that will basically allow us to uh, push the boundaries of the fidelity of graphics that we can have without sacrificing performance and accessibility for people with lower-end hardware. At least that's our hope. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> this sounds all really cool. Um, what, you're doing Unreal 5. You all are new. You make this post saying, hey, we're going independent. and all. Okay. What kind of time frame are you looking at? Because like, if you're having to create... The cool thing is you're not you can add assets as you go along. So you only need a handful, right? You'll need a tank, a, you know, probably each weight class or type of walk or whatever. Um, what kind of time frame are you guys looking at? A year, four years, five years? Like what, what do you, to get something well, where I can, I can play it. I can stream it. We can kick ass in it. I mean, what are we, what are dreaming? We're hoping to have a release similar to our previous, which was more of a, Pre-alpha tech demo, I would say, sometime this year. That's yeah. the best I can really say at this point in time. Um, as to a more of a beta release with most of the features that we would like and a small amount of polish, uh, when it's done, yeah. maybe sometime more like next spring, summer. It's really too early for us to say. And with these, you know, the nature of the project being all volunteer labor. Uh, sometimes that can make it a little challenging for us to plan milestones like that. But uh, next release, sometime this year, hopefully. Okay. Um, <laughs> we we spoke about uh, mechs and vehicles, and what what are you going to play? Uh, what are you going to be able to? Are you going to stick to the mechs, tanks, battle armor, aerospace, VTOLs? Because did you have a video of someone flying around in a helicopter? Yeah, we did. That was um, uh, it was it was interesting to say the least. Uh, most of the the systems for the aerospace and especially VTOL were very much placeholders at the time, and I hate to say it, but like the aerospace, when you get used to it, it just kind of worked. But it it's it's very much like a lot of jank and nowhere near completion. Yep, we're planning to have all the same unit types as in the first game, and in the case of Battle Armor and VTOLs in particular, we didn't get much of a chance to flesh those out as much as either the original designers imagined or as much as we would have liked on the Community Edition team. So we're really hoping to expand upon the gameplay in those areas. Cool. Um, let's talk about aesthetics. Um, you can't use any designs from... MDBO, or that would also be Battletech or Catalyst or anything. You have to make your own, uh, sort of like uh, Wolves is doing. Um, do you have uh, an artist that you guys are working with that's keeping a consistent sort of um, uh, look? Uh, like, uh, do you uh, do you already have an, in mind of what you guys are going for? Uh, before we started, you guys were talking about some different concepts of uh, maybe a, an atlas. Uh, you know, like w what are we what are we talking about? 
So for a lot of sorry, Lico, do you want to say it? <laughs> I was just gonna say, so our, our unofficial art director is Anthony Scroggins. We don't talk to him, but we look at his art and we love it a lot. <laughs> you know, I we all really appreciate how it's a fusion of the sort of newer twenty first sure. century style of art that um, the wonderful Alex Iglesias brought to us. Uh, but you know, a f so a fusion of that art style with uh, more inspiration from the original technical readout line art kind of a happy medium there. Yeah. Um, and so that's the style that we're going for. But as to the actual process of the whole art pipeline, well, that's Nene's wheelhouse. Yeah, we actually have um, quite a number of uh, concept artists now, thanks to uh, the influx of volunteers. And we've uh, right now, we're still sort of trying to spread our wings a little bit and figure out what does and doesn't work in terms of our art style. Uh, we're trying to differentiate more between inner sphere and clan assets um i love the art style of MechWarrior online but a lot of the mechs uh, i feel like they're sort of made from the same factory they're cookie and, yeah they're cookie kind yeah, of. yeah it, it's are. understandable because yeah. they have a single concept artist doing all of the mechs more or less and um we're trying to spread out the ideas for different assets because everybody's going to think about how to skin a cat their own way sure. and I feel like that's the best way for us to differentiate uh, things. Uh, for the Inner Sphere, especially, we were thinking of doing a sort of... Uh, you've seen the Aliens movies, right? That sort of 80s-style cassette uh, hardware kind of thing. Everything looks like it's a uh, old uh, monitors. Everything runs off of diskettes and stuff like that. We were thinking of sort of going that direction for the Inner Sphere. Uh, and then with the clans, uh, more of the... Uh, technologically advanced everything looks clean everything's smooth and it just apple works. looks apple yeah versus, apple yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah i oh, gotcha yeah it's funny you bring that up uh again i talk about this all the time when i'm streaming is the aesthetics i was there are some pgi designs especially the clan ones that are very alien compared to others like the vapor eagle uh the arctic cheetah you get into some ones where you're like that doesn't fit the the, the very square angular look that all the designs were and they're they're yeah. awesome but then you look at what catalyst did um and anthony scroggins is great um uh, and he obviously they had because i've talked to him they had to d distinguish their versions from uh the you know prana games because legality as well um but there it's more it's more his style too, which is a little bit more organic. Uh, the Black Knight. I mean, again, where did you got round shapes instead of just you know square um, and angles and 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 stuff like that. So uh, that's cool. I mean, obviously, I look forward to uh, seeing some uh, concept. Uh, and um, well, by the way, you guys do have a public Discord, and people can join that. We'll have a link down below in the description, or if you're listening to this audio, we'll have it in the description so people can join that as well and or any other information that we talk about we'll we'll have uh, for you guys but um so okay cool um <laughs> i was i was curious about that because aesthetics is a uh, is a big thing because uh that was one of my nitpicks i had back in living legends was we didn't have a director at all so that's why you had assets that looked some looked freaking awesome and then some looked like just garbage and I, it, they just it was uh, like a conflicting different like not even like art styles but like quality like a big quality right. difference too and and that that was you know, always shocking to me and some of them look like they're straight out of mech warrior 4 and others look like they're straight out of the technical readout technical readouts you know? yeah 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 
Um, Submishmash of styles going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when I did the Marauder, I based it pretty heavily off of the uh, Macquarie Online version, and it kind of shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we talked, you mentioned earlier, um, there was so much you wanted to change. And it's interesting, and, and I wanted to poke you guys about this, because when we get in the discussions of MechWarrior games, uh, you did trigger, by the way, a lot of people. And let's just go ahead and get this out of the way, because I already know uh, uh, there's no MechLab. And uh, you yep. guys have made that very clear. And literally, and I quote, I was excited. Uh, now I don't give a shit about the game. That's that's what Reddit said, or at least some people that were like, it's MechLab. Um, let's go talk about that because um, I was actually, again, uh, part of discussions back then where uh, the the team actually was designing a mech lab back then, uh, and it was a completely different, uh, had a hard, sized hard point as well. But it gets re <laughs> really weird <clears throat> coming up with a design, and it's very complicated. And for some odd reason, us Battletech nerds are so hard-coded in thinking needing a mech lab to realize if you just have a fucking good game, it doesn't matter. Like that, that shouldn't matter. So why don't you have a mech lab and why shouldn't it not matter to people playing or wanting to play this game in the future? Why does it matter? See you, Lika. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so this is a very contentious topic. I knew we'd be talking about this. So uh, there's a few big reasons. Um, and this is also very a, a complication here. Like you mentioned, the original devs were planning to introduce some kind of mech lab at some point. Um, but, you know, I think just with the nature of the way the game was designed, uh, the, the system for purchasing assets, and, uh, you know, it being a Crisis Wars mod, all those things kind of worked against it uh, for ever implementing such a thing. Um, and, you know, there's other issues like how can you synchronize people's customs between clients without people cheating on the build rules, that kind of stuff. But, you know, setting all that technical stuff aside now, because we are working on our own standalone code, right? So we can do whatever we want. Um, us in charge of the community edition, have the clarity of having played this game for hundreds or thousands of hours for the last, you know, over a decade. Uh, and the lack of a mech lab we have found has actually been MechWarrior Living Legends' biggest saving grace. Because, um, you know, as a, a very competitively minded player myself, um, you know, when I look at the top level of play in MechWarrior Online, you know, tournament play, I look at tier lists of what are the best chassis and variants and how do you load them up with what equipment. I basically, uh, the last time I checked in on it, although I understand this may not be the case anymore, uh, is basically you either run all medium lasers you run all clan ER medium lasers, or you run all clan pulse lasers on one of six different chassis. And there you go. That's the top level of play in MechWarrior Online, because if you choose something else, you're memeing, and you have to play that much harder to win, or you just don't care about winning more than you care about running a goofy custom build, which is fine, but that means you're not a competitively-minded player in that way. And you'll be at an inherent disadvantage against people who are actively gaming the customization system in their favor. And we don't like that idea in terms of how it would apply to our game. Um, and something that we've tried to do uh, in the community edition is to go through every single variant of every single mech and vehicle 
and make sure that all of them actually have uh, a role to fill, that they work as intended, and that they're competitively viable against other similar things that can be purchased at the same point in the game. And when you look at the top level of play in MechWarrior Living Legends, the top players are using you know, 70 or 80% of the entire unit catalog. Uh, less so when it comes to aerospace fighters, which have a sort of narrower set of optimal conditions. But when it comes to mechs and tanks, there is hardly a single variant among the, I think, over 600 different variants in the game that you can point to and say, that's just bad, that's just useless. You know, this loses in a 1v1 to X, Y, and Z, and it's just bad, you know. Um, and having no customization gives us that control in order to create a well-balanced ecosystem with a variety of interesting and meaningful choices for the player to make. Whereas the customization environment, if you want to be competitive, if you want to be the best of the best, because there's no restrictions whatsoever, the optimal conditions end up being very narrow, your medium lasers, essentially. Um, so that's really the biggest issue for us. Obviously, not just medium lasers anymore, but I get the analogy. So what you're yeah. saying is, <coughs> excuse me, what you're saying is, take the customization away, but what we're doing is we're giving you the options of multiple different variants that are gonna fulfill your needs as far as in the gameplay, but also it keeps you in the game. Because I, I, to put this in perspective, I think a lot of people don't understand, and this is Living Legends, I don't know about Living Legends 2, but I assume it's gonna be similar. When you join a server, you're in uh, the, you're physically, I don't know if you're gonna have the same way, you, you start in a, a, a battle armor, you know, or type person, you walk up to a console, you pull up the console, and you do your purchasing there and boom, your mech spawns, you go and you get in your mech and you go off. That's that's basically what it is. So what, if what you're saying is to, does also a factor in of time in the match, like if you're just in the mech lab the entire damn time, uh, you're not out there in the thing. And so that doesn't really help your teammates that are out there trying right. to take, you know, uh, the Ford operating base alpha, and you're over there piddling, you know, worried about some, you know, things that sort of like, play a part in that yeah so i mean that's the other thing is that it doesn't really fit neatly in where we you know part of the design philosophy of MechWarrior living legends is that everything is contained in the match you know what i'm saying like you're never gonna lose because the other person spent more time grinding to get a fancier mech yeah. or spent more time min maxing their variants in the mech lab you know what i'm saying everything is directly a product of the actions that you take and the decisions that you make, the choices that you make in the battlefield. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's definitely an element of that also where like it doesn't quite fit in the gameplay loop neatly. Um, and you know, I could sort of see like maybe there could be an external mech lab and you go and fiddle around in there before you connect to a server and get in a match. But um you know, then you have a situation where like everybody comes in with like a completely different set of variants for everything, where we still need to make you know presets for all those things anyway and gotcha. balance around those. Like it just it just doesn't really fit. And then there's so there's a whole additional problem of okay, do you have custom tanks? Yeah. Well, the build rules for tanks sure are less restrictive. You can have as much armor as you want. You can put as many guns as you want right on the turret, and they can't be shot oh. off like. But the next this arm. also. This goes into the point of um, balancing and not a balance of what people are normally thinking. 
balance in the form of an economy. So whatever variants you have, and they don't have to be canon at all, but I'm sure you will because there was some back in the day, that Timberwolf Prime would have a different price than an Owens or a, you know a Bushwhacker or whatever. And so that when you spawn and you go out and you play, the, again, the whole thing, guys, is you're earning C-Bills. So, oh, I, go, I went and helped capture you know, uh, Bravo, and then I got a kill or two or did something. Oh crap! Um, you know my mech's really beat up. Okay, I die. I'm gonna respawn. Oh, now I can actually get into something a little bit bigger or something a little bit better. Or you know what? Maybe um, we're running into a lot of uh, light mechs that are capping. I need to also hop in something that's fast and you know be able to counter that or fight that. I d I don't think if you've never played this game you miss out on that so i just feel like i just need to clarify like that's that that was a part of the the strats basically the 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 meta game if yeah. you will um where you're you're tugging and pulling you're going over here you're hitting this base crap they just hit the they, they took over the repair bay we need to take that back and you know or like right. you know um if you've never played it it can sort of be hard to wrap your head around it yeah. so i just wanted to clarify. i sort of skipped over describing that the the core gameplay elements when i was going over the high level stuff you know, about the combined arms and the tactical sandbox and all that. But basically what you spend your time doing is uh, you, you pick a unit, a mech or a vehicle or an aerospace fighter, whichever, and uh, you leave your base and you go out into the map where there are objectives for you to capture and you try to capture the enemy's territory and you defend your objectives from them. And uh, each one of those objectives usually does something like there's a factory there where you can build mechs. Um, re, re, it's like a... Respawn, respawn at that yeah, location. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, there's a place for your team to rearm and repair that will be closer to the battle than your main base. And uh, controlling more territory uh, reduces the enemy's team tickets, which is what you use to spawn. And when you run out of them, you're done. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, sometimes the match will just go to time and the team that has less team tickets loses. Sure. Um, Are you guys... Uh... So it's, it's basically the system from Battlefield. Sure. I was actually going to reference, like, are you guys taking inspirations from other games? Because I feel like, you know, again, us Battletech nerds sometimes are so narrow minded. But when I when I go and play other games like Jesus Christ, this would be so good in a Battletech setting. You know, I've been playing Battlefield 4. I'm, I'm waiting for 2042 and I'm playing this and it's just chaos is going around me. You got tanks and uh, LAVs and infantry fighting vehicles and I got you know, planes flying over VTOL, I, everything. And I'm just like, this would be fantastic if we just, and, and that's sort of what I, I, I almost akin to what you guys are, are making, which is that, uh, that experience is that, that bigger, um, <clears throat> combat combined arms, but also just of, you know, it's a, it's a combat experience that we don't see in even a mech five, even with the infantry, they're, they're negligible. You don't really care. Uh, tanks, you got VTOLs, but there's no aerospace fighters. You're sort of, you're lacking in the, the scope of things. Battletech, the game, very lacking as far as that too. You only got mechs and, and, and tanks except for the mods now. But um, <clears throat> are you guys taking inspiration from other games? Uh, and if so, you know, if you want to talk about that. 
Yeah, we're um, a lot of the games uh, that we're wanting to try to mimic is like, you know, Battlefield with especially with their big team battles, how you can have like servers with up to 64 players. Um, since we're no longer constrained by, our, uh, you know, are the tools we're using, we're, we're hoping that we can viably get like uh, in normal matches up to 32 players per match and in larger matches up to 64 players. We've been dabbling with a lot of different ideas. Nothing's concrete or set in stone because it's sure. way too early to tell. But one of the things we've been thinking about doing was a uh, sort of like a pseudo campaign style mode. Like, you know how in Battlefield 1 where uh, each team, as they progress through the objectives, the map will change rush, and the objectives get yeah, rush. Yeah, rush yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, we were hoping to mix that in with like Battlefront 2 space combat or have like a space only map that to start out with and then it'll combine into ground arms warfare uh, all of these were just ideas we've been throwing in the bucket but nothing's concrete yet yeah obviously um so one very unique thing about mwo is its server side um most first person shooters are client side obviously there's many issues with that but um, I didn't know you guys were talking about, uh, you know, uh, server side, you're talking about uh, numbers, obviously the new battlefield, I think is like a hundred plus people, which is going to be one of the, not first games to have that, but the first like first person shooter outside of like planet side, because planet side is a different beast in itself too. But, um, yeah, you know, especially with the, the, the graphic fidelity of a battlefield, you know, now with those type of it's, it's pretty awesome. They have their own. I think they're a fr frostbite right um so yep frostbite yeah um <clears throat> well that's awesome um have you guys uh considered uh infantry uh not in the you know like especially with like you know uh, uh with anti you know armor type weapons that are available out there and stuff like that i didn't know if you had thought about that well uh we're definitely going to have battle armor infantry like in the first game but uh, when it comes to conventional infantry, we kind of have a balance problem there. Uh, it's a similar issue to whenever people suggest things like uh, multi-crew vehicles or like two-seater mechs or, uh, you know, things like that, where we would kind of have to buff up their effectiveness beyond all reasonability uh, in order to make it not inherently a disadvantage for someone to choose that sure. instead of, say, a mech. Sure. Where you're just going to be yelling at them like, "Why are you foot slogging? Get yeah. in a mech. This yeah. is mech warrior. You need to be, you know, next to me, getting shot at with me, and not just dying." You know, like. Yeah. Have you, in that regards, where, then, have you thought yeah. about uh, AI? Because you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, a MOBA. Uh, MOBA has creep, and creep can yes. add value, especially Titanfall. The original, the AI, and, and that interaction that you'd have uh, and stuff like that. Have you guys considered something like that? Yeah, so you asked about other types of games that we take inspiration from, and Battlefield and other uh, large-scale multiplayer shooters like that are certainly a large source of inspiration. But uh, those of us who have stuck around in the community have also observed that there's a lot of similarities between the, the game flow of Living Legends and the sort of game flow that you find in a MOBA where you're sort of pushing against the other team's defenses throughout the course of a match, becoming more and more powerful. And uh, basically, the game and your strategic decisions revolve around the risk and reward elements. Um, so, you know, the more of an advantage that you build up, the more that you stand to give away. Because blowing up a bigger mech 
gives you more money. So upgrading into that assault mech, you know, you go out too far, you can't escape a bad situation because you're slow now, and then you get ganked, and the enemy team has tons of money now. Um, so we definitely take some inspiration from MOBAs in terms of the overall design of the, the PvP risk-reward elements. Um, and so because there's already that sort of similarity there, we're tossing around some ideas about uh, things that people want to see in a Battletech game that may not be viable for a player to actually control. Like, uh, you know, maybe a whole squad of conventional infantry or something, uh, you know, a vehicle that may not be the most advanced or competitively viable, like, for example, the classic Introtech Scorpion tank, uh, you know, something along those lines, or, uh, you know, perhaps something that doesn't have weapons, like a Swift Wind or, you know, a mobile HQ built uh, vehicle. Don't really know what that would do, but. You know, things like that is sort of where our head is at in terms of incorporating AI. Um, and also just when it comes to uh, uh, some people want to practice but not against human opponents, uh, particularly because uh, playing against a very skilled player in one of these PvP-focused games, you know, be very difficult to learn that way without uh, structured feedback. So bots would be very nice to have for that reason so you can just load up a server by yourself or with some friends and populate it with bots, get the practice that you want, or just do a little comp stuff. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> another question. Um, what kind of experience is a player going to have? What is? It, what are you guys envisioning um, for the mech cockpit experience? Are you guys thinking third person, first person? And if you are uh, thinking that, what are the, um, are you taking more of akin to Living Legends, uh, MWO? Um, or do you have any other types of um, imagination, perspectives, or just what are you guys bringing to the table uh, that may be different, or is it not so different? I'll just make a brief statement here and then turn it over to Nene so you can talk about art. But uh, we're not going to have third person. I'm sorry to disappoint anybody that was hoping for that. And that's another, that's a gameplay thing, a balanced thing. Uh, basically, you know, short version is imagine what it would be like to have battle armor activating a third person camera peeking around the corner and then reporting your entire team's positions and composition to the enemy. You know, we don't really want to enable that sort of thing or create a, it's one of those things where if there is a choice that gives you a competitive advantage, there are many players that are going to be compelled to take it. And one of the few areas that we like to err on the side of, uh, Sim-like, although I do think that's a false dichotomy over arcade-like, is to force that first-person perspective, and it has the added bonus of putting everybody on a level playing field. But uh, when it comes to the aesthetics of the first-person cockpit experience, uh, Nene would definitely be excited to talk about that. So for the first-person cockpit, we're definitely taking a decent amount of inspiration from MechWarrior 5 and MechWarrior Online models. Uh, we will definitely have a first-person cockpit. Uh, however, the way we're going to differentiate from that is uh, diegetic displays in the cockpit itself. Uh, so each of our assets, and we already have the assets ready to go for this feature when we figure out actually how to do it, um, but each of the assets will have multifunction displays uh, that will show you your uh, stats in the mech itself. And one of the design decisions we wanted to do was, uh, for example, if your mech starts overheating in some ways, it messes with the displays. Uh, and other ideas like, you know, certain weapons like PPC might also disrupt it and stuff like that. 
Um, but we're wanting a little bit more interactivity with the mech itself. Because um, to me, at least, with MechWarrior 5 and MechWarrior Online, it's just a skin. Each each mech uh, does more towards like their sound design in MechWarrior Online. Because each mech has a different sound. You can clearly hear heavy, light, medium, and assault mechs, uh, as well as just their general movement. But in terms of cockpit, it's it's kind of the same. Uh, they're they're laid out differently, but each cockpit doesn't really have a function. And I wanted to sort of give it that. Okay. Now, obviously, um, are you, are you going to physically see the cockpit, or are you just going to more like just have a heads up display? Um, You're going to physically. Uh, the most important stuff we will put on a heads up display until we figure out how we want to put that in front of the player without being distracting or without being so far out of the way that it's no longer helpful. Um, but we'll have it in front of the players that they can look off. Uh, we want to have it where a player could look around their cockpit and sort of see the different nooks and crannies inside of it. Um, we're still sort of trying to figure out and flesh out the details and how we want to uh, do each mech uh, and each asset. Um, vehicles especially are probably going to be a bit of a design challenge because uh, in Living Legends the camera was always in the turret but that's not at all where the pilot is so we were thinking of doing a virtual style cockpit for tanks uh, where sort of like how Titanfall does their uh, Titan uh, UI where you get in the vehicle and you have these displays that show what's in front of you and what's around you. That's actually I was about to bring that up. <clears throat> I've always felt that that was very clever of them. And when I read the books, um, first off, we've we've got a very, we've always had a dumbed down version, in my opinion, compared to the books, what this experience is like. I mean, you're talking about very, very uh, advanced technology. And, you know, it talks about, you know, you get in the argument of like third person versus person or whatever. But I always feel like um, being in a uh, tank myself and seeing some of the tech that's coming out, <clears throat> they're doing some really cool stuff with VR, but um, what they did with Titanfall, I felt was very smart, which is you get in the mech, it's a pretty much a solid shell around you, uh, but then that has technology to display the outside world. And I always felt like that would have been really clever. So I don't know, again, um, that's one thing that I always felt was really cool. And they actually have a new um, thing uh, for tanks or armored vehicles that I don't know if you guys have seen this video it's fucking nuts, which is they're uh, wearing basically VR goggles and they have cameras all around the vehicle and the crewman can see inside, but also outside of the vehicle 360. It's fucking nuts. Um, <clears throat> I wish we'd have had that in Iraq. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where, um, again, I didn't know if you were taking inspiration from other stuff. It looks like you're, you're wanting the UI to be also part of the Mac as far as like instrument panels and stuff to be important, but you don't want it to be, you know, so far away, you can't even read like what that is as far as ammo count or whatever, like, or does it even matter? Um, would it just be easier just having it on a 2d plane in front of your face, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Right. Um... Yeah. Uh, another thing we can do now as well is, I mean, since we have Unreal and uh, I also have a motion capture suit, so that's going to help us out as well, is um, 
you know how on MechWarrior 5 and MechWarrior Online, during the startup of each sequence, you see the player fiddling around with the buttons to start up everything? I want a little bit more of that, a little bit more interactivity within uh, your, your, your environment. I want to see the player sort of react, because like in lore with these mechs, when you get hot, you're basically cooking inside there. So I want to see the player sort of interact with something like that, just to give it some more personality rather than just, you're in a mech, that's about it. Have fun. Switch to active. You know, you reach up, you hit a yeah. toggle, passive. You you know, like oh shit, override. You stamp a you know a button or you know, yeah, stuff like the that. biggest uh, thing I wanted to do, for instance, with uh, especially with ejecting. I'm sure you saw the the original Mech Warrior Five trailer where when Back he was getting beat, yep, yeah, beaten down by the Atlas, and he's like, oh shit, pulling out. And uh, I want to do something like that, where you see your character reach for that damn thing and pull yeah. for his life. I was always, uh, I was disappointed. That trailer. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think we've all recently, especially Mech 5, I'm like, man, that one sequence, it's like, and you can hear that. And he's like, oh, shit, you know, and yeah, um, smoke and cacophony. And it sort of fits, too, because you guys have a unique game where you can inject and then you could run around as, you know, you're in your, your suit, if you will. But um, yeah, so... Yeah. Well, there's a lot of potential there because in Living Legends, we have those big nuclear explosions yeah. and we have ejecting. So it's perfect, right? Yeah. So funny. I don't know if you listen. Um, uh, I had a, a podcast with Stackpole about that. And we talked about Stackpoling. And uh, of course, it's always a, a unique uh, uh, thing. And uh, Mech 5 has it, but sort of, you know, it's not every single time, um, you know, as well. And, uh, you know, with the reactor going critical. But um, <clears throat> so. Uh, obviously this this sounds great um i've seen some images on your guys discord um uh, you have uh some uh environmental and map designers and already sort of diving in uh can you talk about sort of the the worlds we're gonna see are you guys gonna harken back to the original and do stuff or are you guys gonna create your own sort of a look because you guys some living legends had some pretty drastic biomes i mean you had from pyramids to uh you know, jungle and uh, to to lunar landscapes. Uh, so what were you guys sort of thinking in that regard? Well, our first set of maps that we have planned are either remakes directly or reimaginings of maps and locations from the first game. So we've got a remake of the iconic uh, Inferno plan, which is a sort of uh, inhospitable volcanic planet. We've got a remake of Extremity plan, which is the uh, another iconic map, the... Uh, Purple, low-gravity, tiny spinning asteroid with the rapid day and night cycle. Um, and uh, let me think. What about uh, a oh, Thunder Rift? A, a remake of a, a community edition map called uh, Tukayad. There's a, a location that I'm sure we're all familiar with. Um, and uh, yes, a Thunder Rift will definitely make a return. It's one of the most beloved maps from the first game. You know, I'm sure fans of BattleTech stories know all about the uh, the lore behind that one. Yeah. But it's basically a tiny uh, uh, cave pretty, system where, big. well, in in Living Legends, it's a it's a small enclosed map in a cave system uh, that reliably produces gigantic, amazing brawls. Yeah, yeah. I, I so yeah. like I said, we'll I definitely I've... be seeing a return of a lot of those favorites, and we're hoping that we'll have a lot more diversity in the biomes this time around because we won't be restricted to reusing textures from Crisis, which meant a lot of sand and a lot of jungles and a lot of sand and a lot more sand. 
The cool thing about uh, UE5 is uh, Quixel Bridge is built into it, so we have access to the entire Quixel Megascans library right off the bat. So it will allow us to get a really good diversity for our biomes. So you could literally grab stuff that, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, cities, everything. Okay. Understood. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, scale in that regard. Um, obviously, that you were talking about, you don't know exactly right now how big of matches as far as people and servers. That's stuff that you guys will have to figure out. Um, scale of the maps, uh, what what sort of size are we talking about? Um, and also, scale of the maps, I also want to bring up scale of the battle mechs, because that's actually another thing that I feel like, again, MWO and Mech 5, Mech 5, uh, we even had uh, uh, Navid, <laughs> we've talked about his uh, reloaded mod, because scale seems, it has a negative effect on, on gameplay too, as far as mechs and pinpoint accuracy and and so forth and so on. I didn't know um, what you guys, uh, with Anthony Scroggins, they have a, a linear scale, but it's pr it's pretty good as far as uh, across the board. Like there is a difference between an assault and a light, uh, but it's not as like, it's not like this, boop, you know, like huge uh, in MWO. Uh, just wanted to sort of, uh, that's an aesthetic question from the mechs, but then also scale of, of the maps. What are we, what are you guys thinking? Well, we have this one developer who is obsessed with the scale of the mechs being correct. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way, that's just an observation. Uh, he's, he's posting these screenshots where he loads up the models from MechWarrior 5 or MechWarrior Online, and he has these references sure. with the heights marked and everything, and he's like, I've got the canonical height of the Banshee here. And, I, you know, and so we, we definitely have people who are very keyed into that, and um, that is something that we're looking at being very intentional about, uh, making sure that the scale is consistent not only between mechs, but between the mechs and the environment. Uh, you know, in terms of the gameplay, like you'll need cover to be behind, and, uh, you know, buildings, making sure that buildings are uh, serviceable for the, the scale of the action, but not unrealistically huge, uh, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, going for a more traditional sense of scale um, compared to PGI games, where, like you said, um, I think they, they, my personal opinion, uh, I don't want any fans here i'm not trying to knock anyone's work uh, my personal opinion is that the scale is a little too exaggerated where like a you know a commando barely comes up to the crotch of the atlas for example and you know you have a when we load it into the editor we can see the atlas is like over 20 meters tall or something um and uh you know we're basically uh the the square cube law is a cruel mistress. It turns out if you increase the size of a thing, it, it gets a lot heavier much faster than you would think. Yeah. Uh, and if you actually try to calculate it, you know, an atlas is buoyant, it turns out. It floats on water because it's so huge. Yeah. Um, well, you so get in... Maybe a, yeah, you get in uh, weird things when you when you talk about scale. I, I mainly bring it up just from a gameplay perspective because I think really that's all you, you have to do because... And I can, I've said this time and time again, I can show you one M1A1 right next to the other. One weighs 50 tons, one weighs 70 tons. You wouldn't know it's an armor package and you wouldn't know from right. outside. So, uh, but just from a gameplay perspective, uh, you know, it has a big impact in MWO. And it's funny, even even HBS had a weird, I don't know if you caught this, but like in all their cinematics, mechs are fucking like Pacific Rim sized. Like I never understood in all their imagery 
why mechs were that big other than just like i guess i i, I, I don't know i actually don't know why they they chose that direction um but for those that are listening out there per lore and also like again even just per lore they're actually not that big like they're not supposed to be literally 40 stories tall or whatever some of these mechs were they're gigantic i mean if you're wondering what i'm talking about by the way go and look look at that griffin or look at that atlas standing behind a podium at like at depth as well and they're massive it's it's they're not supposed to be like that so uh um animations uh you guys are going to be doing your own animations uh just wanted to ask you about them are you going more of a uh uh um uh, kinesiology are you uh are you going more of a robot like what 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 are you guys are you taking past uh you know games for you know um you know what, what are you guys doing in that realm uh in terms of animation so um of course it varies by the assets uh for human assets uh i have the motion capture suit so we'll be doing motion capture animations for most of the uh player characters um for max itself um I'm not much of an animator and we're unfortunately lacking quite a few animators. So we're having to take uh, quite a few liberties with the animation style. I want the mechs to, of course, feel weighty, but look like they can move with the purpose. Um, we're taking advantage of the newer tech that UE5 has. Um, they have a tool called Control Rig, which allows us to do real-time inverse kinematics. So one of the things that... Um, I don't know if it's changed or fixed, um, uh, but in MechWarrior 5, the the feet for the mechs when you're standing still on uneven terrain, they don't exactly quite match up to where your position actually is. So uh, that's one thing we can easily fix with this. Uh, other than that, it's kind of up in the air due to my lack of experience. Yeah, I know with MWO, the reason why they didn't have it is because you could have some weird shit as far as hitboxes. Um, where the foot was knee joint and hip and so forth if you add it up because i remember mechware 3 had uh ik um and i'm not sure yeah i mean you remember like you, again it was quite the yeah. Tours, yeah it was it was different but then you also have to worry about hitboxes and gameplay experience um so if there's an animator out there that is interested should they join your discord should they hit you Please, up Please, for the love of god yes um, <laughs> because so. uh, we really need them so there you go, recruitment tool right here. Um, <laughs> so, and again, we'll have that Discord info information down below. Um, speaking of your guys' team, you're all volunteers. You guys mentioned that. Um, how many people do you guys have? And, uh, you know, what? what's, you mentioned animation. You're lacking in that department. Um, is there any other fields that, like, you could really use help? Or is there, you know, what's your um, status? So for uh, we we actually thanks to a lot of the influx of people coming into the server uh, we do have a lot of talent for most of the teams uh, animators is the one thing that we are lacking and of course uh, programmers uh, we need more programmers to help us out because we have I think at most four programmers for the team and since it's entirely volunteer base everybody's got their own schedules and their own life to work on so. It's a little hard matching up schedules to try and get stuff done. In total, we have about 67 members on the team. Um, about eight of those are uh, people who are from other projects, but who are helping us out by providing us either like, you know, technical know-how or providing us temporary assets to use. Um, we're 
using the mechs uh, as a temporary stopgap from wolves and um one of the guys iq fish from the hired steel mm -hmm. animations uh he wanted us to use his uh harasser model uh in game so we're using that it's really good high quality model and it's also nanite so uh, there's that as well um uh i mean we'll, we'll never say no to talent like like you never like if somebody's good at something like put them to work <laughs> gotcha awesome yeah it's hard to keep an exact count ever since we had this massive influx of interest with our our pre-alpha release and our public announcement many moons ago uh, but i would say the core group of people who are pushing the project ahead on a day-to-day basis is i would say about 15 individuals did you see how it's reasonable Nene? yeah roughly around there and the total size of the team, uh, people who aren't just uh, consultants and aren't just occasional collaborators, is probably closer to about 35, I would say. Okay. Uh, maybe 40. But, you know, people's, people's availability varies a lot. People yep. will, you know, disappear for a month or two and then come back and do a ton of work. Yep, I know how that is. Um, looking at you, Tori. For uh, Mech Commander, he is our, our our golden child. So you know, without him, nothing happens. So I totally understand. And uh, you've got some balancing, obviously, but that's something that you guys just have to deal with as a as a um, not even a mod team really anymore, but just as a independent uh, you know fan development team. Yeah. Um, we are... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, we we are actually a registered studio uh, by the state of California, so we we are official. Okay. There you go. Um, <laughs> obviously, this is really exciting. Uh, I wanted to sit down uh, with with you guys. Uh, you know, do you have a website, by the way, to where someone can just go to, or is it just Discord right now? Uh, it's just the Discord at the moment. Uh, we're still trying to get the groundwork laid for a lot of this stuff. I can't. I haven't had the time to really work on getting a website up and running because if I take time away to do a website, then nothing's getting done for the game. And at the moment, the game is the highest priority because if we don't have a game, then there's nothing to show anyways. Gotcha. I was just wondering where people could go for updates. And so that's just uh, Discord. That's the... Yeah, the, the Discord's the best place right now. Yeah. Um, hey, two areas we could definitely use help to circle back to that last question. Sure. Um, if you have experience and time and motivation in managing professional social media accounts, uh, and building websites. We need help with both of those things because we have people that could do them, but they should be building the game instead, like Nene just said. So, Yeah, uh, we also have a Twitter account, and I've been kind of having to do that myself as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, this is super exciting. Um, you know, before I, like, I, you know, I don't want to, like, leave anything out there. Is there... I mean, we've talked to pretty much about everything uh, as far as uh, mechs and tanks and all that. That's all good gameplay. Uh, obviously, you guys got a lot of work ahead of you. So I know you can't commit to anything right now because that's the whole point is you got to figure stuff out as you move along. Um, you know, is there anything that you would like to get out there to the, the, the world, if you will, if someone's listening? Is there something that we've missed or you had on your mind or if there there was something that you guys wanted to talk about specifically you know feel free to you know bring it up 
I think at the moment, the biggest thing is, of course, you know, trying to get um, as much fan response and getting the information out there uh, to as many people as possible. Because, uh, I mean, Living Legends, when, when it originally went down, it never really fully recovered from that. And I feel like this is our second chance to get Living Legends out there. And since it's going to be on modern hardware, it's going to be more accessible to a lot more people. I feel like just having a good following and a good number of people actually play the game would uh that that's more than enough for me what about you yeah. uh for my part um just uh look out for more announcements join our discord uh, keep an eye on our social media what little we have uh, if you're interested to know more about what this game will be like, you should check out the first one because we still play it uh, pretty much every day. There's active public games starting at about 5 to 6 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time every day. There's public uh, events on the weekends, which are basically the same as public games, but everybody's in TeamSpeak. Um, and if you're interested in that, hop in the MechWarrior Living Legends 1 Discord, and I'll see you there. Awesome. Well, Nene and Liko, thank you guys so much for sitting down. Like I said, this was, uh, we were supposed to do this last week. Uh, you got sick and then I got sick and, uh, yeah, I'm still dealing with it and I'm, I hope you're hundred percent, um, trying to, Likewise. trying to get there. Um, still haven't worked out. That's, uh, yeah, but we're getting there. Um, <clears throat> it's fantastic. Like I said, it's, I've also, I saw the response because, I know there's a lot of negativity out there uh, with people and as far as regarding, uh, you know, PGI, but really, um, uh, you know, like regardless of how you feel, I feel like it, I'm bummed that some, you know, there wasn't better communication uh, with, you know, PGI or EG7 or whoever now as far as really trying to keep you guys under the hood as far as Mech 5 because I feel like that's a good PR thing too, right? I mean, like, you know, it was on there um you, you know the um what is it uh the big e um uh, you know what i'm talking about the the the, the game thing uh we're just watching it a, a a few e3? weeks e3 thank you e3 yeah <laughs> words um i was like e something e um e3 so you know and <laughs> it's a bummer that they couldn't keep you guys uh, attached because yeah. I I do feel like there's there it's a loss there and you know like it's it is sort of disheartening hearing that there wasn't better communication especially with like modders and and because you know uh we're doing mech commander mercenaries and we we're a handful of people so we're not splitting and I know if some people have asked that no hell no uh and also the framework for what we're doing aligns basically what what they're already established like we're not we're not reinventing the wheel we're not redoing our animations we're not redoing the heat we're not you know changing the weapon systems we're not we're not messing we're you know and so a lot of that fits in them plus some of the dlc stuff and from a modder's perspective this is sort of why i was curious was it, it does it, it's like doing 90 percent, 90 plus percent of the work for you but if you're drastically changing that then it doesn't really do anything for you if it's hampering so that's a bummer that uh you know there wasn't communication, but on the other hand, I'm excited for you guys because you do have the freedom. But with that freedom, I will say good luck. I, you know, I hope we can have another conversation in six months or a year or whatever, and uh, you know, really see this project. So good luck with that. Honestly, truly, um, 
I've talked about Living Legends game mode. I still think it would be a fantastic alternative to faction play. Uh, but if we're not going to get it in MWO, we'll get it through you guys and we'll be playing the shit out of it. So, yeah, good luck. Yeah, I, I feel Living Legends 2 sort of fits that little niche of like, because we have Battletech, so there's your turn-based games. Then you got MechWarrior 5, so there's your single player with, uh, you know, Mech Bay and everything. Then you have your MechWarrior Online, so customization and, like, matchmaking, stuff like that. Then Living Legends fits that uh, all-encompassing combined arms warfare yeah. niche. Yeah, 100%. Well, gentlemen, thank you again for being on here. I'll have all of your information down below. Uh, and, of course, if you guys have any questions for these two or the other devs, hop on their Discord, be part of their community. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to us sitting down again in a few months and doing this again. So thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for giving us a signal boost. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> you have a good one.